Hello and welcome to The Bipolar Feminist. I'm Nikita Ramkisun and in this episode we're exploring the intricate topic of freedom of the press with a focus on Palestine to better understand the challenges journalists face in our pursuit of the truth. The usual trigger warnings apply. Before we delve right into it, let's take a moment to appreciate the significance of freedom of the press. It serves as a cornerstone in any democracy, offering a check on power, ensuring accountability and keeping citizens well informed. However, this freedom is far from universal, and journalists around the globe encounter substantial challenges to our work. There have been 119 journalists killed and 400 arrested in Gaza and occupied territories since the 7th of October 2023, and that number is rising rapidly. The Israeli government has repeatedly warned the left-wing publication Haaretz for their accurate reporting of the siege on Gaza. These attacks on media workers are not new. They are part of a long-running regime of occupation, apartheid and extermination that dates back to before the 1948 Nakba. The quest for Palestinian statehood and the ongoing conflict with Israel already held a uniquely difficult environment for journalists, a place where the likes of Shireen Abu Akleh were killed and her funeral raided by Israel because she reported the lives of Palestinians under occupation. Over 50 journalists had been killed since the blockade began and before October 7th, and a myriad others were arrested and detained without charge. Journalists are protected by international humanitarian law and the Rome Statute and must not under any circumstances be targeted in the exercise of their important mission, according to international law. Yet another law that Israel is flouting with contempt. Ayat Khadura, a Palestinian journalist and podcaster, said in a post on Instagram in October, This might be the last video I post. It was one of the many videos she had been sharing with her hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, talking about living under Israel bombardment and trying to survive with limited water and electricity. On 6 November, in a video she called her last message to the world, she said, We used to have big dreams, but now our dream is only to be killed in one piece so that people know who we are. A week later, she was dead. Reporting from Palestine before the war required immense courage and resilience as it stood. Journalists operated in a challenging environment marked by political instability, conflict and restrictions on freedom of movement. Both Palestinian and international journalists faced obstacles ranging from physical danger to censorship and intimidation. Now, the journalists are heroes who never wanted to be heroes. They are on the front line, risking their lives, separated from their families, reporting from makeshift tents and filing stories with limited or intermittent connection over and above being targeted. The bombing of the Al-Jalla Tower in Gaza in 2021, housing several international media outlets, raised concerns about journalist safety. Now there are drones following individual journalists, and the Israeli occupational forces have targeted and killed reporters and their families. Plestia Alakad, a 22-year-old freelance Palestinian journalist, posted a photo of her press jacket on Instagram saying, I used to always wear my press vest and helmet, but lately I stopped wearing them. She wrote an occupying caption, I don't feel safe in Gaza no matter what, especially when wearing the press vest and helmet. Weeks later, she and her family fled Gaza, fearing for their safety. I hope this nightmare ends soon, she said. I hope we don't lose any more journalists. 
She told her followers on social media that she left out of fear that her role as a journalist was putting herself and her family at greater risk. The Committee to Protect Journalists, a US-based nonprofit, says the majority of Gaza journalists killed since the start of the war were killed while doing their jobs. The organization classified that more than 40 journalists killed so far as being on a dangerous assignment. It says investigations into the circumstances of the deaths are ongoing and it is investigating whether some were targeted attacks. Al-Mayadeen TV journalist Farah Omar had given a live update an hour before she was killed in an Israeli strike. The Israeli army is making choices, and those choices to use lethal force against journalists and media facilities have to be warranted and proportional. Failing to do so constitutes possible war crimes, Sharif Mansour, coordinator for the CPJ's Middle East program, said. As Ahmad Khanim said in our interview last week, the press vest does nothing but give them back problems and is a target on their backs. Gaza's journalists have shouldered the heavy responsibility of telling the world what is happening, while also suffering the personal tragedies of losing family, friends, homes and colleagues during the war, sometimes in front of them. Their task of news gathering has been made more difficult by communication blackouts in Gaza, where phone and internet links have gone down periodically throughout the war, disconnected by Israel, specifically and systematically cut off to create an information blackout, especially before targeting large structures, such as places of worship and hospitals. Some journalists, including those working with international outlets, may receive support such as protective gear and equipment. Others who work on a freelance basis do not. Gaza-based journalists also work for local outlets that are coming under bombardment themselves. Saman al-Bashir, a journalist for the Palestinian Authority's TV channel, tore off his protective gear in the middle of a live broadcast, when he found out his colleague, Mohammed Abu Hattab, had been killed in an Israeli airstrike. We are victims alive on air, he cried. It's only a matter of time until we are all killed. We wait our turn, one after the other. We can't bear this anymore, he said. We are exhausted. We are here victims and martyrs awaiting our deaths. We are dying one after the other and no one cares about us or the large-scale catastrophe and the crime in Gaza. Abu Hattab had been reporting from outside Nasser Hospital about the Israeli airstrikes on neighborhoods in southern Gaza in the city of Khan Yunis. He was killed just half an hour later when he returned home. This very same hospital is the last functioning hospital in Gaza and is under siege as I write this. The hospital will most likely be destroyed by morning. Al Jazeera's Gaza correspondent Wael Al Dadud was broadcasting when he received the news that his family had been killed by an Israeli airstrike. His wife, son and daughter, grandson and at least eight other relatives were all killed in an Israeli attack on their home in which they had been sheltering. Moments after he learned the news, the channel switched to footage of him still wearing his press vest, kneeling over the body of his son. When he came back on air days later, he told viewers that despite his pain and open wound he felt, it was his duty to get back in front of the camera and carry on reporting. He also carried on reporting after being severely injured and is still working after losing his son Hamza, who was killed by a car bomb just a couple of days ago. The Committee to Protect Journalists says it has found evidence of the Israeli army targeting journalists in the past. It pointed to the case of Abu Akleh, who worked for Al Jazeera, who was shot dead while reporting in the occupied West Bank. Human rights groups and news outlets concluded after independent investigations that the Palestinian-American journalist was killed in a targeted attack by Israeli troops. She was wearing a press vest at the time. 
The need for global attention and action to protect journalists and uphold the principles of press freedom cannot be overstated. How can the international community contribute to ensuring a safer environment for journalists in Palestine? International pressure is crucial. Governments, media organizations and advocacy groups can play a role by condemning attacks on journalists, raising awareness and supporting media freedom initiatives. But it is absolutely imperative that we push for a ceasefire now and the end to occupation. South African journalists are soon gathering to meet in a vigil for the journalists that have been lost in Gaza so far. It's essential to hold these responsible for the attacks on journalists accountable and work toward creating an environment where the press can operate freely. Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, has laid complaints with the International Criminal Court and the Office of the Prosecutor Karim Khan has assured the organization that crimes against journalists are included in its investigation into Palestine. In 2018, RSF played a decisive role in getting to the ICC to investigate crimes against journalists. Following the killing of independent videographer journalists working for Agence France Presse, Mustafa Tayura, and Al Jazeera journalist Hamza Al Dadud, RSF revealed that crimes against journalists are indeed the subject of particular attention in the ICC's investigation into the situation in Palestine. The ICC prosecutor Khan had not spoken publicly about the fate of journalists since the 7th of October. In a message sent to the RSF on 5th January 2024, his office stated for the first time that crimes against journalists were included. This is crucial information in a terrible context for journalists in Gaza. In its statement, the ICC Prosecutor's Office assures that crimes against journalists are being examined by the Prosecutor's Office, among other potential crimes, as part of the ongoing investigation into the situation in Palestine and RSF's objectives and actions must be supported and are of crucial importance in Gaza and elsewhere. Our so-called democracies do not protect us as journalists either. Truth and freedom of speech are being increasingly criminalized all over the globe, especially when the speakers are black, indigenous and brown people. Journalism that functions as a mouthpiece for the state hinders our fight for collective liberation. People movements need media now more than ever. On U.S. soil, journalists and media makers are being fired or pushed out of the profession for their advocacy. Emily Wilder was fired from the Associated Press in 2021 after conservative activists targeted her for pro-Palestinian social media posts written even before her employment with AP. In 2022, the New York Times fired Palestinian journalist Hossam Salim in Gaza, citing his personal Facebook page that he used to speak out against the occupation he lives under. Mehdi Hassan has just quit MSNBC after his show was cancelled, and multiple journalists have also resigned or cancelled contract with the New York Times, in part because of its Gaza coverage. In late October, Artform fired editor-in-chief David Velasco for his participation in an open letter supporting Palestinian liberation. eLife editor-in-chief Michael Eisen was fired in October 2023 for retweeting a tongue-in-cheek article from the satirical outlet The Onion regarding Palestine. Murdering and disappearing journalists is a manifestation of the roots of occupation and imperialism, social, political, psychological and physical control and domination. Apartheid military occupation and genocide are incompatible with the free press. Therefore, the press has always been restricted under authoritarian governments. If governments continue to fund, support and legitimize attacks on journalists in Palestine, it chips away at the freedom and self-determination of people globally. It is well documented that Israel's surveillance tools, technology and military tactics set a precedent for authoritarian governments across the world. 
This includes cities and states across the U.S. where police officers train with the Israeli military and clamp down on the free flow of information, regardless of who it's coming from. As a journalist, I myself have seen and experienced a lot that would make grown men weep, but never anything on this level and scale. As I wrote this, I was listening to Bizan live stream from outside the hospital, and the bombing was relentless. Everything I knew has been destroyed, she said, between fits of coughs, looking overhead as the bombing got closer. Nowhere is safe. Do you hear that sound? It's the sound of aircraft and it's very close. I'm scared. I'm scared to sleep. We're all scared, she said. The challenges faced by journalists in Palestine serve as a stark reminder of the importance of protecting the fundamental right of journalists worldwide. A free press is not only essential for the people in the region, but for also fostering understanding and empathy on a global scale. This right here is a defining political moment. We must mourn the dead, learn from their stories, and reject the assumption that journalism can ever be neutral. As we continue to build an international movement for collective liberation, one that rejects all acts of repression and genocide, no one who cares about freedom can afford to see themselves as safe. In this constant search for truth, we need to protect the messengers of the truth, and those messengers are not prophets. Those messengers of truth just happen to wear blue jackets and helmets and are armed with cameras, microphones, and pen and paper instead of guns. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my patrons for making this podcast possible. For more information about press freedom, please look up the Reporters Without Borders website and the work that they are doing. From the river to the sea.